Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. And we're into extra time! Hello and welcome to Extra Time, I'm Barry Guy. The All Blacks have made it to Australia to play the Tri-Nations and now it's time for them to make sure they keep hold of the Bledisloe Cup. The Wallabies will be hoping to get their hands on the trophy for the first time since 2002. Unfortunately, Argentina may struggle in the Tri-Nations. They've spent most of the month in Sydney but are yet to play a game. Locally, the Farah Palmer Cup will be handed out with Canterbury hoping to grab it for the fourth straight year. I'm joined by RNZ Rugby reporter Joe Porter, RNZ columnist Hamish Bidwell and Wellington Pride player Alice Soper. Firstly, uh, Joe, starting with you, your black uh, team named uh, for Bledisloe Cup 3. <laughs> We're making out it's a title fight here. Yeah. Uh, any interest, um, you know, any disruptions? What do you think, you know, um, the, what you'd expect, yes. you know? Yeah, uh, a very, yeah, well, boring side or predictable side might be a better term. I think this week the only replacements have been made forced by with Adi Sabi being home on paternity leave replaced by Hoskins Sotutu who gets his chance to make a starting debut at number 8 and Sam Whitelock coming back from concussion to replace Tupulvai who's pretty green and of course um, the other change at prop with Carl Tuinukuafia coming in for Joe Moody who's out with some concussion as well so a predictable team it's pretty much the same that gave the Wallabies a dust up at Eden Park um, you know they're going for consistency they want to wrap the Bledisloe Cup up this weekend and not take any risks, whereas the Wallabies team, by compare, four debutants, first five and second five, are completely uncapped. I think they lose about 100-plus caps, at least with uh, losing James O'Connor at first five, Matt Tormour at inside centre or second five. So some really green players there, two test debuts in that cauldron uh, against the All Blacks who are determined to wrap up the, the Blue though this weekend. I think it could be a tough night for the Australians, to be perfectly honest. And I think the game... Uh, Lacks a little bit because of that. It seems a bit predictable. The Farah Palmer Cup final to me is is far less predictable. Oh, I was I was semi enthused after the first game, and I am enthused in general about the idea of Dave Rennie being Australia's coach. Um, I'm all for um, unpredictable uh, results and competitive matches, and I don't, given the personnel changes that Australia's then you know partly forced, I don't really see them being hugely competitive in this game, and that's a real disappointment. Um, and I'll tell you why I'm disappointed about it, because I just think the smugness around the All Blacks is just revolting, and I almost am suffocated by it. I just find, like, I can I look at these things and I just, I don't know, I feel like I can barely muster the strength to breathe or carry on. Do you know what I mean? I just think we're so into ourselves and so keen to congratulate ourselves and go on about how great we are and to anoint people and, uh, you know, lionise people. And I just think we just we need to just maybe just take a breath and, and try and be cooler about things and be better winners than we are. You know, I thought that game at Eden Park wasn't particularly impressive. I thought early doors Australia were better. Um, they had some injuries, and uh, James O'Connor was awful. Their kick chase was bad, and they didn't tackle. Um, the thing they did in Wellington was they tackled, and they made it a contest. If they don't tackle, then, you know, they're not very good. New Zealand, conversely, we have some good athletes, and so the idea is just give the ball to your best athlete and hope for the best. There's no um, New Zealand rugby isn't particularly smart. It's displaced with some real talent. 
Um, and so I'd like to see some of the frailties in New Zealand's team exposed. And sadly, they won't be exposed by Australia. They won't be exposed by Argentina. And that's disappointing because I don't just want to sit here for the next six months and be told how fantastic people and the All Blacks team are, or how amazing Ian Foster is and how he's answered his critics, give me strength. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to see them play some decent opposition. I want to see them tested because it's test rugby, but I don't see that occurring in, um, in the remainder of the international season, sadly. I had to um, Google it this morning to figure out where it was going to be because such is my enthusiasm for game three of the Bledisloe. Um yeah, I mean, I don't think I can add more than these um, lads have. I think probably the only thing that I'm excited about is that Lamape's back. I'd quite like to see what he's going to do when he comes off the field, uh, when he comes on the uh, off the bench. But apart from that, it's pretty hard to get excited about things when you're when you're reading the kind of commentary that's coming out of the Wallabies camp when they're already talking about being future focused, when they're talking about focusing on shutting individual players down. You kind of know it's already um, it's written off. So it's I yeah. I'm not going to stay up to 9.35 to watch that. I'll probably go do something else. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Alice. I'm not going to stay up till 10 o'clock to watch what is largely going to be a procession, I imagine. I With you, Hamish, I don't think the All Blacks will be tested for a, a good while yet, so it's hard to get a gauge on really where they're at against the Wallabies team who are in rebuilding mode, uh, an Argentinian team who haven't played a game of rugby all year. They had a, an in-house squad game ahead of what was supposed to be a clash with New South Wales, and they hurt themselves so much in the inter-squad game with so many soft tissue injuries and whatnot. They had to bail on the New South Wales preparation game. So they're going to come into this first test against the All Blacks completely underdone. Um, and, yeah, the poor guys are going to be whipping boys this tournament. They're going to get absolutely smashed. So it's, it, is, it, is, it just doesn't hold much interest. You're right. Not enough of a challenge, not enough of the unknown, not enough unpredictability, and not enough of a chance of the All Blacks losing, I'm afraid, and not enough of a test for Ian Foster and the squad to really get a gauge of where they're at. So I guess COVID has crawled that this year, potentially. But, again, I can't gauge... Uh, sorry, muster a hell of a lot of enthusiasm for it. And like I said before, I'm looking forward to the Farah Palmer Cup final far more. Are we not being a little bit harsh here? I mean, th- these are the cards we've been presented with at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's, I mean, a strange, yeah. would it be different if South Africa was there and they yeah. came in at world champions they and they were the team to come. beat, <laughs> yeah. perhaps? Yeah. Um, you know, and there would be more of a test on the All Blacks, perhaps? Yeah. I, I, I really yeah. admire South Africa for pulling the pin. Like, they are under the same financial pressures New Zealand face. But they've said, actually, no, given the circumstances, given our lack of preparation, given our standing as world champions, we don't want to diminish that for money. We're going to take a stand, whether it's principled or otherwise. They, but they, they took a stand and they said, no, love to play, need the money, but not going to. And I, I admire that, I have to say. It does leave the question, though, I was thinking with South Africa, though, without having the money, and I and I believe that they are struggling financially, that what that's going to mean for their players in 2021, uh, you know, because they normally fly off to Europe and compete and, and, and make a bit of money, but there's the, the possibly they're not even going to be able to do that next year. I mean, I mean, who knows? Uh, um, we're in a state of flux, aren't we? And in South Africa, there's talk of them going to Europe to play. You know, they're they're at the ce- the centre of it, really. At least we have a competition that's going here. You know, I, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about South African rugby where it is for the next year or so. Yeah, they have issues with their own country with COVID, and obviously the, their connections with Europe being so heavily disrupted by the pandemic as well. So yeah, there are some big questions there for for South Africa. Obviously, in a financial hole as well, gave up what was. You know, at least a few million dollars to not come to the rugby championship may have been in the tens. Um, so yeah, it's 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 going to be tough for them. But I guess that's one thing we can look over as a positive: the All Blacks do get to play some tests and people get to watch their national team play.
it's going to be hard for me to ever feel sorry for South Africa because they uh, their women's team has qualified twice for Olympics and twice have been told that actually they're not bothered whether women or not a play or not. So really ha- have a hard yeah, time ever feeling sorry for the South African rugby union. <laughs> Yeah, that's that, that's right. I forgot about that. What a terrible, terrible start that was. Gosh. Get on to uh, the women's game very shortly, but just let's quickly finish off with the All Blacks. Uh, as Alice said, Nani Lamabe. I mean, he's played no rugby. And yeah, he's but, in the well, reserves. Right. Here's so. probably the most exciting thing about this game. Yay, Lani is back. Hopefully he gets to get that ball with a bit of steam behind him and doesn't hurt himself in the process. And Samuel Whitelock, for me, he uh, he missed a couple of games, of course. Um, I was very impressed with him in the North-South game. I actually think that's possibly one of the reasons. He led the South superbly there to that to that victory. And I, I you know... I, I haven't always felt this way, but I think having him back, um, that sort of leadership in the second row will be important in this game. In the absence of Brodie Retallick, who I regard as New Zealand's best player, I would actually say the second best player, or the best player on deck at the moment, is Whitelock. He looked um really old man at the World Cup. It looked like, oh, far out, he's signed for four more years. He should just go to Japan and for the whole time and just collect his money. But um, he's come back and been really enthused during Super Rugby. I thought, he, having decided to take a break from it, I thought he might really struggled through that, but he was fantastic. Great in North-South, as you say, Barry, and he started the season pretty well for the All Blacks. Obviously got dinged up in Wellington, but um, yeah, I'm really excited to see him back. I think he's genuinely a superb player, and if I were king, he would be the captain of the team. But that's just another story. And uh, just staying with the All Blacks, um, uh, Steve Hansen. Sir Steve Hansen's now going over to uh, help out the Canterbury uh, Bulldogs, Canterbury-Bankstown NRL club in a what was it called? A high performance role, I guess you'd call it. Oh. Yeah, I mean, there was there was some surprise in the media about it, and, and but really, I mean, it's I'm assuming the way he set things up in the All Blacks, um, Canterbury, who finished second to last this NRL season, are, are hoping just to get some sort of structures in place. Yeah, I spoke to smart st- man Steve yeah. Hanson. He's doing it by zone. He's going to get paid a shirt like that. He's not even going to have to go to Australia. Just whisper a few sweet nothings in Trent Barrett's ear and uh, tell him what a good bloke he is and that. Like, he's not he, going to have to do any recruitment. There's no coaching involved. Or, crikey, who wouldn't do that? He also gets to continue his gig at, is it Panasonic or wherever the hell he Toyota, is? Toyota, is it? Yeah, Toyota yeah. too. So he gets to continue in whatever director of rugby or high performance role he is there, which really has actually nothing to do with any kind of coaching or anything. I spoke to Steve yesterday and... He said, oh, people are making a bit more out of, out of it than they probably should because really he is just going to sit there. He's Trent Barrett's mate who he's had over at the All Blacks a couple of times. They've got a connection there. Trent gave him a ring and said, look, there's an opportunity. Would you mind stepping in and helping? And we'll give you a bucket load of money to do it. I mean, it's an easy option, really. And it just becomes down to you know, processes, procedures you put in place, preparation and all that sort of mental stuff that goes with high performance rather than anything to actually do with rugby league. So who knows how heavy-handed or how much consultation will be needed from Sir Steve on that one. But, yeah, I think he's worked himself into a nice little gig there. Guess to I'm tempted to call him a coach whisperer, but as we know, <laughs> he's more of a mumbler. <laughs> <laughs> and Tony Brown has been has spent the week with the Silver Ferns, the new Highlanders rugby coach, has uh, spent the week with the Silver Ferns. He was trying to learn some things off Nolan Todua, and one of the things he mentioned was how she managed to turn that team around from finishing fourth at the Commonwealth Games in 2018 to being... Uh, World Cup champions in 2019. New Zealand were aided by the fact that Laura Langman was allowed to play, having been exiled because of her contracts in Australia. And then the thing, the key to Nolene is she just says to people, no, no, that's not good enough. Um, you need to do better. No, you're not fit enough. You won't be in the squad. Do that again um, or else you're out. You know what I mean? And so she just has high standards. And it's, I guess 
if Tony Brown's going to have high standards and he can get a Laura Langman equivalent in, then he can make some similar strides in a hurry with the Highlanders. Onto the uh, women's game, uh, Alice, uh, it's the Farah Palmer Cup final, Canterbury uh, against Waikato. In a week's time, we have the uh, Black Ferns trial, the possibles against the probables, but in a way, this weekend's final's a bit of the, the same. Two best sides, lots of uh, internationals in the sides. Um, firstly, your thoughts on, on this game. Can, can Waikato get up over Canterbury? I'm backing them. Um, look, it's, it's going to be an interesting one because, yeah, like you say, there's nine of the Canterbury girls that are going to be in that Probables Possible match next week, and there's eight from Waikato. And not to mention Melissa Roscoe, who's the assistant coach uh, for Canterbury, who's also going to be the assistant coach of the Probables. Um, so it's it, there is a lot of Canterbury <laughs> and Waikato that are going to be um, on display again next week, but we get to see the preview this week. Um, and two unbeaten teams having travelled through their competition. Um, another fun... Uh, thing we learn about our competition that uh, it's points differential that decides where the um, final will be hosted in this case so Canberra gets that you could argue that's a bit unfair given um, maybe the weighting of the two pools but anyway uh, so they get to play hosts um, I understand it's at rugby parks so they're not going to make uh, Waikato walk all the way through the car park like they usually do uh, when we go and play them down at Orange Theory uh, so that'll be nice everyone will be on the um, pitch for warm ups uh, but look it'll be a really interesting one to see um, how I guess it's the Chelsea Alley versus uh, Kendra Coxedge really in terms of the playmakers there. Uh, both have been fantastic and steady hands for their teams um, and both will be uh, wanting to get one up over the other. Canberra, of course, going for their fourth title. Um, I don't know if Waikato has won it in the past. That's terrible of me, isn't it? No, they're I, going I for their maiden know. title. They've been in one yeah, final before in 2014 been... and lost to Auckland. So this is their second finals appearance and their first yeah. ever, cha- oh, obviously going for their first ever national women's title. Yeah, but look, there have been a side that's been top four for a long time, and that's top four in Premiership as well. So it's kind of a case of I would really love to see them get there. I think they've got a really complete team this year. Um, you know, one through fifteen through twenty-two, they've got they've got the goods to get there. It's just going to be that self-belief, and that's the thing that Canterbury, as we know, both men and women always have in spades. So it'll be about Waikato coming down as the underdogs and looking to disrupt there. I'm excited to see also the forward battle in this game. Um, I think that Auckland left Canterbury a bit at spot. Um, last week, particularly at ruck time. Their hands were rubbish out wide, but they were fantastic in the rucks. They got a lot of turnovers. Uh, whereas Waikato, when they were playing against Manawatu, they were d- doing a lot of disruption as well. It's really slowing down that Manawatu ball, so they never really got the opportunity to spark up. So they'll be looking to do the same and take that lesson from the storm and go and put that pressure on Canterbury. Because if they shut them down in that forward pack, there's not going to be much to do and not much for Kendra to do except maybe uh, put a couple of knees in another halfback again. But anyway, uh, it'll be a, a good battle, I think, there in that forward pack to see who's going to come up on top and, and get that privilege to play off. I know you've had uh, first-hand knowledge, but what, what have you thought of the standard this year, uh, considering you know the Black Ferns aren't really playing internationals uh, and, well, there's no international game this year, um, but we have the World Cup next year. Is, is, has there been a, a step up, has there? Do you, have you been impressed? Look, to be honest with you, I think people have just been paying more attention, but I can't necessarily tell you that the Fire of Palmer has been any better than it's been in the past. I think um, the interesting thing has been watching over the weeks, actually, maybe the Black Fern Sevens girls, their biggest impact, I think, has just been around um, professionalism and bringing that into the side. As any, if you put any uh, professional athlete among amateurs, that standard that they bring um, can lift other people. But I think in terms of the play itself, well, they've all been wingers. They've all been put on the wing, whether 
whether they play uh, in the forwards uh, when they're playing sevens, they've all been just chucked on the outside, which there's not a whole heap you can do um, there if your four pack aren't delivering, which is, you know, uh, where you've seen the likes of Bay of Plenty. Well, they had a heck of a lot of black ferns in their side and they never really fired um, this season. So I think um, you've seen the traditional teams, the ones that are always uh, do well, have stepped up again. So it was no surprise when you were looking at the finals that it was Auckland Storm, Canterbury, Waikato, Manawatu would probably be a bit of a surprise, mainly because we stuffed us a season up. Um, but if it had been, you know, that, none of those teams are, are unusual to be making playoffs. And so I think it was kind of more of the same. That said, it's been exciting to see people pay more attention to it. And I think given that we have the focus with um, World Cup, it means that, you know, it's getting up on people's radar. We are starting to hear about it um, in, the, in the news headlines as well. It's a real shame we're not getting test rugby. You know, while uh, there's been stop-start stuff in the Northern Hemisphere, so uh, Ireland and France are not able to play their Six Nations match this week because of COVID. It's a shame because at least they've been putting those matches on. So, uh, you know, England and France, our greatest rivals, they will be playing each other before the end of this year. They will be playing other teams too. Meanwhile, we'll just be beating each other up. And we've already done that uh, for the last uh, seven weeks. So it's a bit of a shame not to be getting to uh, put ourselves uh, against other people. It's the same as the ABs, right? We're not really going to know how good we are until we get to play uh, the chance to play um, some real competition. Uh, and that looks even longer off for us than it does for the boys. The return of the, the Sevens players in the Farah Palmer Cup, as you mentioned, um, I think I saw... Five of the top six try scorers are actually sevens players, so you know they're getting mm. the ball out wide. And, and for some reason, I've met, I've seen a lot of Waikato and a lot of Northland. And yes. Portia Woodman, for a start, she started out on the wing and then she was centre. And I did actually think maybe they should bring her into a second five or first five as as well. And what I have seen again is the running onto the ball in the pass, where a lot of the back play in the Farah Palmer Cup has had the appearance of the or the influence of sevens players yes. to me, which I thought, well, that, that's you know that's good. You know, they're using space, long passes, get it wide, and they've been scoring tries with you know. So uh, an observation. Yeah, it's, it's similar to if you watched um, the last few World Cups, right? So if you watch 2014 World Cup versus the 2017 World Cup, the width that the game is played at because you have those sevens professionals that are coming in, that changes things. So there's no like there's no disputing that if you pay women to play uh, to train professionally and make rugby their job, their skills get better, and you see that those skills being put to effect uh, within our game. But you, you mentioned those two teams, Waikato and Northland. Well, the reason why those backs were able to be on display is because their forward packs are better. So the likes of... Um Northland, well, they've got old TK and um, Crystal Murray, who's my revelation this uh, season, who's the prop that plays like a back uh, for Northland, running some ridiculous lines there. But, you know, they've got that type of uh, platform to build off. And and when it comes to Northland, they are a fantastic story. I mean, they came from, uh, they had their first ever women's team last year and managed to do some really smart recruiting when the Blackfern Sevens, because they got to pick which sides to go and play for. So they managed to get in the air of Porsche and of Tyler and get them up there. Um, Taylor, sorry. So managed to get them up there and then all of a sudden they're a real threat. And 
they were the biggest uh, advocates, I think, of our competition to say, we need to make this competition longer because the way that Northland were tracking, just getting better week on week, they only missed out on playoffs uh, due to points differential uh, technicalities. So, you know, they were suddenly a semi-final threat having been a first-timer in the competition in the championship last year. So I think it it goes to show, you know, you need to have a couple of these uh, wahine tour, that's what they had up in Northland. They had good, old, smart rugby heads uh, that then were able to combine with that talent to deliver. And that's what Waikato also has the opportunity to do this weekend. You know, you're going to have Flula out on the wing, but you've also got the likes of Hohepa. She's back. She's also been back in the um, in the uh, probables possibles lineup. Now, she hasn't really been playing um, for a while, so it's exciting to see her back in the mix. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be a good game. I understand kickoff has been pushed back slightly, so I'll put that out there too. 2.15 now, apparently, Sky Sports, so you've got to tune into that one. Uh, and uh, we talked about uh, the Black Ferns. They have the possibles, probables next week. And the following week, they're playing the Barbarians. And that's a big weekend. I think it's our West Auckland. We also have a World Cup qualifying uh, a game, which um, is going to be interesting to see, talking about a lack of rugby for some women and some, uh, some nations. Uh, Tonga against Samoa. That's right. So the, the the thing there is that, you know, there was actually another pandemic, well, uh, virus that was hitting the country at the beginning of this year, which we've already forgot about, which was measles. And that's what disrupted that uh, match from originally being played. So there was the um, tribe, there was the Pacific uh, qualifiers that were being played. Um, I believe it was Tonga that was um, had some illness in their camp. So they were unable to uh, take part. So this is now that delayed match uh, from back at the uh, beginning of the year. And so now it's going to be uh, Samoa v Tonga. Now, I know that uh, the Samoan side, they were just trialling their team last week. So they've um, had a lot of our Wellington um, players, and often is the case. There's a lot of good uh, Samoan players that are based here in Wellington. They all went up uh, to put their hands up to play in the blue jersey. But for goodness sake, that's a trial last week to play a game in two weeks' time. That's a heck of a short uh, turnaround uh, to try and make uh, your secure your place in a World Cup. Cheers, uh, Alice. That's uh, Alice Soper, and that brings to an end uh, of Extra Time. Also, thanks to Joe Porter and Hamish Bidwell. Extra Time is available every Friday from about 4pm. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, and, of course, at rnz.co.nz. Give us a rating, if you would. That helps a whole lot and means other listeners can find us much more easily. I'm Barry Guy. Ka Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.